Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast.
Well, Peterson describes what was the fashion at one time in parts of Europe. The pulpit itself was shaped as a right upright well where the preacher would enter at the tail, climb a ladder inside, and exit through the mouth of the whale. As if to say, every act, every word, every gospel effort, we have to pass through a death in the belly of the fish before we can resurrect into something new. They saw the story of Jonah going through the belly of a large fish as a sort of death and resurrection. And so the way the preacher entered the pulpit itself preached a sermon. The sermon that says... Unless the seed dies, it cannot bear fruit. That though we backslide and drop out, and we all do, imposing our own will versus God's, we go through that, that belly, through that death of our, to ourselves, in order to become new. This is Jonah. Now, Jonah chose a more exciting destination for himself. But in the process, he brought storms upon himself and upon all those on that ship. God rescues him by a sort of death, as we mentioned, bringing the large fish to swallow him creating a sort of restriction for Jonah. You can't run very far in the belly of a fish if you've tried. All he can do in that belly is pray and listen. You've had those moments when you've been reduced to nothing else but listening and praying, praying to the source of all hope. There's Jonah. He gets spit out on the beach. Now, this is no vacation and relaxation kind of beach. The beach is an in-between place, you know, between the sea and between the land. You may recall it happened with Jesus when he met the disciples on the beach and had breakfast with them. It was the moment when he recalled the disciples to his task. Once they had fled, failed him, abandoned him, betrayed him, he calls them again on the beach, feed my sheep. Having walked a three-day journey, though Nineveh was only about seven and a half miles circumference, but having walked a three-day journey through Nineveh, having put his feet on pavement, Jonah reluctantly, begrudgingly preached the message God had for the city. He says, 40 days more and Nineveh 
will be overthrown. Where's the hope in that? As a result of that short sentence, that's a short sermon, by the way. You don't get off so lucky. As a result of that short sermon, all the people of Nineveh, 120,000, we're told, turned to God. Even the king of Nineveh turns to God. Now, you can hear Jonah. He's resentful. You can hear how he feels stuck having to work in that God-forsaken place. Complaining about being stuck in that backwater armpit of the earth. Notice all the pastoral care? Compassion? None. Zero. No bedside manner from Jonah. I think he didn't care. He doesn't seem to care about the people. Doesn't care about their spiritual condition. Doesn't care about the possibility of their transformation and salvation. He didn't care. He had this big holy message he wanted to take to Tarshish. The cool place. He had a Tarshish program. Well, he didn't think his Tarshish program was worth wasting on these vile heathens of Nineveh. Just get in, get out, go outside the city, watch God destroy the people. He had pictured it a hundred times. He had not expected them to listen. He had not expected them to change their ways. Not expected anything good to come from Nineveh. Now, some young men were setting up the gymnasium one evening for a worship service. It was their work study at the college. They were setting up the gymnasium for the worship service, and they went out, put the chairs in the right place, and set the platform up, and set out some decorative plants, some chairs again. They were joking with each other and laughing and They set up the microphone. They turned the microphone on for the check. One of the boys went up, kind of laughing half-heartedly, and went up to the microphone, and they said, now say something in the microphone. And he thought, well, here's the moment. So he was laughing and joking. He said, brothers and sisters, in his best preacher voice, God loves you. God sent Jesus Christ to save you. You're a sinner in need of his grace. And if you want Jesus, if you need Jesus, just walk down this aisle. And they were laughing and making fun. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Those who need Jesus come down this aisle. Well, these boys hadn't noticed that the janitor who was sweeping the floor had been listening. And they heard the broom drop. And they saw this janitor walking down the aisle. And they were just kidding around. Jonah's just kidding around. Bad-tempered, judgmental, resentful. He had witnessed an altar call worthy of a Billy Graham crusade. And yet, he left that place in a worse mood than he came. 
more resentful, more ill-tempered. Next thing we see is he's outside the city waiting, anticipating, longing to witness God's destruction of this people just the way he had imagined it. Will it be fire? Maybe poisonous snakes. Maybe a bomb. Maybe a little shock and awe. But it never happens. Jonah didn't want their transformation. They wanted their annihilation. It can be rather difficult to get at just how severely Jonah hated the Ninevites of Assyria. In fact, a better translation that was read a moment ago says not just that Jonah was displeased with God, but that God did an evil. God did an evil. And Jonah's anger burned within him. So to get at how much he hated these people, we may have to imagine God showing mercy to the Iranians or to the Russians or the North Koreans. Or maybe it isn't a country, maybe it's a tribe of people and we witness God showing mercy to the KKK or the Black Panthers. Or maybe it's the Christian right or maybe it's the LGBTQ people. Or maybe God's showing mercy to the Republicans or, or to the Democrats or neo-Nazis or Muslims. LSU Tigers or the Alabama Crimson Tide. Forgive me. But if that doesn't do it, just imagine a people that you truly wish God would wipe out. Jonah wanted their destruction. He preached a message from God. He left out how they could be saved. He left out hope. He preached the message, but secretly he was praying for their damnation. As if we were sent by God to one of those groups on a peaceful mission, all the while hoping and praying for a bomb. So Jonah is angry. Six times that word is used in this section, anger. When we're angry, Peterson says, we assume that the problem is with them, right? The wrong we feel is with them. Them. It's my boss, my wife, my husband. Oh, my kids, those people out there. Jonah was so mad, he pulled out his smartphone. He passive-aggressively typed out who he was mad at and posted it so everybody could hear it. He didn't do that, by the way. We often fail to see that the real problem is not outside us, but inside. God demonstrates that to Jonah by growing a plant for him. So Jonah goes to the edge of the city, quarrels with God like an immature adolescent. 
Lord, isn't this the reason I didn't want to come to this place? I knew this would happen. I just knew it. You are such a softy. I knew that you would drop your plans of punishment and turn it to forgiveness at the drop of a hat. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I am better off dead. That's what he's saying. How immature. Peterson calls it an immature imagination. The way Jonah treats people. Because he knew God was gracious. That's a quote from the Old Testament. He knew God was gracious and merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He says, I knew this about you. He knew God's plans. But Jonah had his own plan for those people. He could not have imagined those people being shown mercy and forgiveness. It's a failure of imagination that kept Jonah from celebrating their salvation. He was disappointed in what God did. There's a book I found. I found about 15 or 20 of them in my cabinet a few days ago by J.B. Phillips called Your God is Too Small. Our imagination, what God wants to do, may be too small. Jonah had no idea the largeness of God's love and mercy for people, even for the Ninevites. He wanted what he wanted. Jonah was obedient. We can give him that. He did what he was told. Go tell your brother you're sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. He did what he was told, right? We can give him that. But he wasn't prepared for what God wanted to do and what God had in store. Here's a bit of irony in the whole story. God sent Jonah to Nineveh to preach to those people, but now the people of Nineveh are preaching to Jonah. And we're supposed to laugh, by the way, because that's God's humor. Irony. Because the story is not about the Ninevites, it's about Jonah's heart. What was the, what's the sermon that Ninevites are preaching to Jonah, by the way? Amazing grace. Jonah, we were blind, but now we see. We were blind, but now we see. It's amazing grace. Fred Craddock used to tell a story about the evenings when his father and he would lie under the stars at night, just lying on the grass, looking up at the stars, and his dad would say, Fred, I want you to imagine as far as you can imagine. And when you get there, let me know. And Fred would imagine as far as he could imagine, think as far as he could think. Then he would say, okay, I'm there. And his dad would say, okay, now drive a stake and keep going. We have to imagine as far as we can imagine. Drive a stake 
and keep going and keep going to the point of scandal, the point of being offended. Notice, have you noticed how Jonah gets preoccupied with the little things? That's what happens when we're angry. His church has just grown by 120,000 people, by the way. But what makes him happy? A little plant that God grew to give him a shade. That's what made him happy. Then it withers and gets hot. He gets frustrated, angry with God. This is a man who's been through a deadly storm, the belly of a large fish, the witness of an entire city, 120,000 people turning to God. And his response is, he gets up, walks away mad. Mad as that desert is hot. You know the real problem. Things didn't turn out the way he had planned. Any of you like that? Anybody ever get mad when plans change? No one does that, right? Anyone get upset? When what you wanted doesn't happen, when life doesn't turn out the way you had planned. I'll preach. These vile people, they won't listen. I'll go out, I'll watch God destroy them. I can't imagine God cares about these people because I sure don't. He licks his lips. But he hadn't expected the people to listen because he had his own religious program. Jonah did what we all do at times. We have our own idea what we should do. Our own idea what God should do. Our own idea how life should turn out. But when it doesn't, we quarrel with God. Peter did this. Jesus told the disciples he's going to suffer and die. God forbid. This will never happen on my watch. Methodist Church, I know, not here. They were having such success in their new contemporary worship service, 8 o'clock service, by the way, that the new pastor decided to switch that service with a traditional service. Traditional service began meeting at 8 o'clock. The new contemporary service met at 11 o'clock. And boy, was there a fight. God's plans or ours. Jonah doesn't want to wait for God. He has his own plan. Can't join in the singing and dancing and celebration. When he looked at that city, why couldn't he see possible grace and mercy? Pastor Search Committee was interviewing a couple of candidates for the job, and they were coming down close. They had two candidates left, and they decided that the way they were going to pick their pastor was by asking one question. They asked this question, when you look out the window and you see a person, what do you see? So the first candidate came in, tell us, when you see a person out the window, what do you see? Looked out the window, first candidate says, I see a sinner bound for hell. Second candidate comes in. When you see a person outside the window, what do you see? He says, 
I see a sinner loved by God. You know who they called. The only thing he could see was a people full of sinners destined for doom. No amazing grace. All he could see was what he heard on the news about these people. All he could see was what he heard his pastor preached about, preach about every Sunday. But we are people who peddle hope. Sejla Milos, Nobel Prize winning poet and Christian, wrote this. He said, imagination can fashion a world into a homeland as well as into a prison or a place of battle. It is the invisibles that determine how you will view the world, whether as a homeland or as a prison or place of battle, he says. Nobody lives in the objective world, only in a world filtered through the imagination. So Jonah could not imagine what would happen if God were in charge rather than himself. He could not imagine a world as God sees it, only his own prejudices, only the perspectives of his own people, his own country. Thankfully, though, the preacher is not in charge of God. Thankfully, the preacher is not in charge of how God works. Thankfully, that preacher is not in the business of protecting God or playing God, just pointing to where we see God at work. May we not reduce God to our own human prejudices, our own human plans. May we not reduce God to mere Sunday morning routine to go back into our our world, our country, and live for ourselves. May we not reduce God to a church or a program or a job, but to find ourselves always praying and listening as from the belly of a big fish. So what did Jonah do, by the way? What did he end up doing? Well, we don't know. Did he spend the rest of his life avoiding the unpredictability of God, seething over that scandalous grace, mercy, and love? Or, or does he stay there and become their pastor? Or does he stomp back to Joppa looking for another ship going to Tarshish to flee the presence of God? Or does he stick it out, begin embracing this largeness God's mercy, grace, and love? Or does he spend the rest of his life embarrassed over that petty quarrel under that plant of unpredictability? Or instead of running away, instead of running away, maybe he saw those outstretched arms of God and maybe he began to imagine wider and farther. Maybe he ran into those arms himself we don't know but what do you think what would you do 
What will you do? Let's pray. God, we thank you for saving sinners like us. Forgive us for forgetting how you changed our lives. Forgive us for giving up hope on other sinners. Help us always listen to you. Help us now to make the decision you've called us to make. To come down the aisle or to make that commitment and go living into it. Whatever it is you're saying, may we not flee, but listen. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.